Podcast One Production. Back at the beginning of 2018, I got a crazy idea for an initial coin offering to turn myself into a cryptocurrency. Now, I wish I'd come up with this idea on my own. In fact, I'd been inspired by a tweet from Mark Jeffrey. You've heard from Mark a few times on Cryptonomics. He's a deep thinker on all things cryptonomic. But in August of 2017, watching the number of initial coin offerings grow and grow and grow, he'd had enough. And in his amusement and frustration, he tweeted, By the end of 2018, four out of five Americans had their own cryptocurrency. Mark meant it as a throwaway line. But somehow it caught me. It wouldn't let go. And I rang him the next day. Dude, I said, I know you think that's a joke. But it's not. That's where we're headed. And five months later, I'd mapped out a strategy for my own coin offering. Now, why? What do I have to offer for these coins? Well, the only coin any of us have to offer to others is our attention. My professional attention is valuable. People pay me very well for my attention. But that process is a business process. It's slow. It really only works with big businesses. What if I could make the process of buying my professional attention easy and quick and cheaper? And that's what led to the Mark Pesci token. Now, I had to do a month of solid research. I had to learn how to write a legal contract providing protection for consumers because my token would be a consumer product. It would be available to anyone with cash to spend. Anyone would be able to buy my professional attention, $100 for each token, each token guaranteeing 15 minutes of my undivided attention. And then finally, I launched a website, markpeshitoken.com, and made a lot of noise on social media and then listened as people asked a lot of hard questions. The most common question was also the most surprising. People wondered if I was serious. I'm Mark Pesci, and welcome to Episode 7 of Cryptonomics, a series dedicated to exploring and explaining the way cryptocurrencies and the technology underneath them, the blockchain, will transform our entire world. Now, along the way, we'll learn what makes it all tick, how people are using this technology to do amazing things, and what it all means for the future of money, finance, investing, and the economy. We'll speak to folks who have built successful businesses using the blockchain, some of whom have even created their own successful cryptocurrencies. We'll learn how things work, why they work, and when they don't. By the time we're finished, you should understand enough to make your own investment calls. You'll have the tools you need to investigate any cryptocurrency investment. Is it real? Is it wise? Is it a good investment? We can't answer these questions for you, but you'll learn which questions you need to ask and the sorts of answers you'll want to receive. The cryptocurrencies are only the tip of the iceberg. The whole field of blockchain is only just a decade old, and it's already working its way into the core of some very established businesses, and it's being used as the foundation for entirely new ones. Over the next billion seconds, the entire world of economics, everything that's touched by money, will be changed by this new technology. And that's why we're calling this series Cryptonomics. When you look beyond the ripples produced by the rise and fall in the prices of the cryptocurrencies, you can see another wave, a tsunami of change that will roll over banks and stock markets, even nations. 
Now, there's a lot of hype surrounding cryptocurrencies. Some of that hype is generated. Some of that hype is justified. It's a new way of doing business. It will force businesses everywhere to make way for it. Now, here's the thing. We're funny about money. Let's, let's just admit it. Money makes us all a bit crazy. Now, it's understandable. It's not just capitalism telling us that money is the most important thing. It's that we're all deeply involved with making our way in the world, keeping our head above water, building a nest egg, putting something aside for a rainy day. So money has two things going on inside our heads. There's the aspirational, the belief that money will grant us our heart's desire, even though we know that's not actually true. And then there's this other very scary existential aspect that without enough money, we'll die. And that's no joke. So these two sides of money, they, they wage a tug of war inside our heads all of the time. And that's why we're all a bit crazy when it comes to money. It means that money becomes a convenient catch-all for all sorts of feelings running around inside of us. Money is the most visible surface of our subconscious self. And it means we can get caught up into it all too easily. Because we want to believe. And we want to believe that believing is enough to get us over the line, to get us what we need and what we want and what we aspire to. So money is tied up with our beliefs in ourselves, in others, in the world. And this is probably the most important thing we need to understand as we move deeper into cryptonomics. Now that we've nailed down the basics of blockchains and initial coin offerings and smart contracts and so forth, we're ready for deeper waters. And those deeper waters, well, they, they actually look a lot like us because the sea is filled with desire and more than a little bit of greed. That's tended to make the entire area of cryptocurrencies a bit fraught. Too much emotion, too little reason. And some folks work to profit from that sort of irrational exuberance. They're ready to use the emotions of others to their own advantage. So we're going to use these next two episodes of Cryptonomics to frame the world of blockchain and cryptocurrencies, not by exploring their technologies, but by taking a deeper look into what we believe about them, why we believe, and what that says about what's really going on in this new world of smart money. Now, in this part, we'll take a look at how people pitch their initial coin offerings, how they use their own beliefs to engage the beliefs of investors. In part two, we'll examine the two worldviews at war in cryptocurrency, extreme individualism versus a reborn communitarian socialism. But let's start at the beginning with an email that arrived early in September. May Keppel, great again. Australia's Great Keppel Island, GKI, is about to undergo a multi-billion dollar redevelopment funded by cryptocurrency tokenization, making it the first island in the world to be crypto-tokenized. The largest island within the 16-strong Keppel group of islands, on Australia's heritage-listed Great Barrier Reef, with 17 world-class pristine sandy beaches, Great Keppel Island is about to become the world's most exclusive tourism and holiday destination, a 
attracting some of the world's biggest stars as visitors and investors. Project co-founder Tim Summers says Great Keppel Island token holders will receive significant benefits from the island itself, in addition to the asset backing. Unlike most other cryptocurrencies, which have no asset backing at all, and their value is based purely on sentiment. The GKI token holders will have the very real asset backing of the actual island, which is predicted to be valued at over $3 billion when fully developed within five years. Building starts in 2019. The GKI token holders also receive the benefit of liquidity should they wish to sell their tokens at any time. Great Keppel Island will be the first blockchain, crypto and Internet of Things enabled island in the world, allowing high security, crypto payments and accountability for services. The development will provide over 1,400 full and part-time jobs to the local area. It really will make Keppel great again. The GTI token promises to revitalize a benighted piece of Queensland real estate, an entire island that's gone to rack and ruin in the aftermath of tropical cyclones and benign neglect by Australia's investment community. Sounds great, doesn't it? Get a big piece of real estate development, sit back and watch the profits roll in. Now, when I first saw this, my thought was simply, this looks like an investment opportunity. And if it's that, doesn't it then fall under the auspices of the Australian Securities and Investments Commission, ASIC? Initial coin offerings, they walk a very fine line because they cannot be framed as investment vehicles. The rules for selling investments to the general public are very strict because too often it's been used as a vehicle for fraud. Over 2017... As the number of initial coin offerings grew, both ASIC and the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission issued guidance on what initial coin offerings could and could not do. The one thing they absolutely cannot do is frame themselves as investments. An ICO cannot offer an ownership stake in a business. That's a stock offering. Because they employed the services of a high-end PR firm, the Great Keppel Island token got a lot of coverage in the media. And it's likely that folks who read the reportage thought it all quite clever, tying cryptocurrencies, which many people have heard of as investment opportunities, with the revitalization of a Queensland destination. It ticks all the boxes, doing well by doing good. And hey, you might even make a tidy profit. How that profit gets made, well, that's the part that's left unclear. As we've already seen, a token has to have an economic ecosystem working behind the scenes, amplifying its value by creating more and more demand for the token. That's the essence of tokenomics. Those tokenomics are nearly always laid out in a white paper, and that white paper was promised just a few days after this blizzard of press about Great Keppel Island. But, and this is only true on the day we recorded this, this is the 3rd of October in 2018, we haven't seen that white paper. I've written an email, I've asked for interviews, I haven't gotten any replies. So maybe this initial coin offering isn't going to plan? It's hard to tell from here, but it's possible someone asked them to clarify how this isn't just another investment vehicle. It could be that they're taking some time to work out the tokenomics. We'll see. Yet no matter how it works out, we need to look at the pitch. 
because nearly every pitch for an initial coin offering looks to hook us by showing us how that coin is going to transform the world for the better. Recently, I got an email fire advertising the Crypto Challenge Forum. It's yet another of what seems like an inexhaustible stream of conferences on cryptocurrencies and initial coin offerings. But the tagline, that's a bit of an eye-opener. Blockchain and the future of humanity, economy, environment, ethics. That's putting it all right out there, right out in front. This conference isn't about selling you the latest initial coin offering. Oh, no. This conference is about how this or that ICO will better humanity. That's what they're selling. And it's perfectly in keeping with what we've seen in a whole host of other ICOs from the very beginning. Now, when we come back from the break, we'll take a look at two ICOs you're already familiar with and see how they played on our heartstrings to generate millions of dollars in token sales. back to cryptonomics and our exploration of why we want to believe in cryptocurrencies, sometimes against all reason. In episode four of cryptonomics, we took a look at two successful initial coin offerings, Power Ledger's Power Token and Guardian Circle's Guardian Token. Each of these offerings was presented with a companion white paper. That's a tradition that goes all the way back to the original Bitcoin white paper back in 2008. And these white papers cover the tokenomics supporting the coins. Each white paper lays out the mutually reinforcing virtuous cycles of increasing value that coin holders are promised if it all goes according to plan. And of course, that's the risk side of the equation. But to balance that, or to erase it, well, there's another side to the equation. Remember, This is money, and money is equal parts fear and desire. The fear of loss, that's real. The desire for gain, that's ephemeral. And in general, we wouldn't risk much on such hypothetical gains. But there's a hook here in both of these white papers. Both of them promise to change the world. Power Ledger wants to transform energy and promises to use the power token as a financial instrument to accelerate our entry into a truly green economy. Here's what Gemma Green had to say. Energy trading between citizens brings humanity to the energy system. Instead of faceless traders hedging their positions, citizen utilities return profits to communities incentivize community investment in generating assets and allow the sharing or gifting of energy. Human energy will change the face of the energy system because instead of being focused solely on profits, it will focus on the broader needs of communities, on aspirations for independence and co-creation and the long-term sustainability of energy creation and consumption. Humanity? Faceless traders, citizen utilities, profits to the community, independence, co-creation, long-term sustainability. 
I'm positive Gemma Green believes each of these sentiments, just as I'm sure they were all very carefully chosen to elicit an emotional reaction from a skeptical potential purchaser of power tokens. Now, in point of fact, those power tokens have increased in value manyfold. Purchases were amply rewarded for their purchase. But the sales pitch, that played directly on the heartstrings. Now, I am not saying that's bad. Far from it. It's clearly good marketing, and it worked. What I am saying is be aware of it. Always be aware of it. Because in an ICO, someone is trying to sell you something that they haven't quite worked into a thriving ecosystem of value. So they figure out the right words that will get you to believe in their currency, just as people believe dollars have value or bitcoins or Guardian tokens. Now, Mark Jeffrey's company, Guardian Circle, it started off as a smartphone app that offered its users the ability to nominate guardians who would come to their rescue in an emergency situation. Press the panic button and in comes helpers. That's good in and of itself, but... With the tokenomics he created around the Guardian coin, it became possible to incentivize professionals to assist in emergencies in their professional capacity as doctors and nurses and so on. And that, Mark states in the Guardian white paper, is good for everyone. Guardian is social good. We are building a sustainable new global public utility for worldwide safety. Smartphones and tokens make this possible only now. It can be done in a way that is economically sound and makes the world a better place at the same time. Public good, worldwide safety, makes the world a better place. Who could be craven enough to be immune to this pitch? Who would turn their back on safety or public good? Who would say no to making the world a better place? And again, in the interests of full disclosure, I've been advising Mark from the beginning of Guardian Circle, and I've received a healthy number of Guardian tokens in recognition of that role. So I definitely believe all of these things, but then I want to believe. For someone who's just reading through this white paper, well, it'd be hard for them to refuse to believe it. Someone... Someone might find a hole to poke in the tokenomics, but the overall goal of making the world a safer place, you'd be hard-pressed to argue against that. And so, so we come to this sticking point where our desire to get rich gets to clothe itself in our desire to do good. And we reckon we can get away with both of them simultaneously. And then, well, the money's just a nice bonus, isn't it? Rather than the main event. That's what we're telling ourselves. We're not in this for the money. We're in this to make the world a better place. And that's certainly the message that these white papers send. That's the message the Crypto Challenge Forum is using to sell tickets. Because it's hard to say no to good, rational or not, believable or not. We do not like to turn against the parts of ourselves that wish for the good. And that is factors into the design of almost every ICO white paper ever written. Except, well, except maybe mine. You see, I did write something like a white paper for the Mark Pesci token, only didn't make any points about transforming the world, or maybe only just a little bit when I wrote this. 
Over the next several years, we'll see marketplaces for all sorts of millions of coins where sophisticated software will work out how much my time is worth when compared with yours. That'll mostly be invisible to us, but it will help us realize the full value of our labor, and that can only be a good thing. Now, it may be that paragraph convinced some readers that the Mark Pesci token was an elaborate joke. But despite that, or perhaps because of it, in a fortnight, I'd sold a few thousand dollars of those tokens, even though those tokens didn't exist yet, because, just like most other ICOs, I started off with what's called a private presale, where you offer basically what's a promise for a token at a later date. I didn't have a token. I didn't have a smart contract. I had a basic legal agreement in place. That was it. What I promised was nothing less than a reinvention of work. Hmm. Okay, so maybe I undersold it a bit more than Mark Jeffrey or Gemma Green, but on second glance, it looks like I really was trying to sell some sizzle. And after that, after the private sale, that's when I got down to the real work of creating the token. And that's when I learned that maybe, just maybe, some things are not a great fit for a cryptocurrency. I'll share that story in the second half of this episode. In our next episode of Cryptonomics, we'll pick it up from here, looking at the philosophies driving the minds behind cryptocurrency and the blockchain, worldviews where individuals seem pitted against society. But is that really as true as it looks? That's the next time on Cryptonomics. If you want to learn more about the topics we've explored in this episode, the Great Keppel Token, or the Crypto Challenge Forum, or read the white papers we've talked about, cruise on over to our website at cryptonomics.show. You'll find everything there to go deeper, as deep as you need to learn as much as you want. That's cryptonomics.show. The Next Billion Seconds Cryptonomics was written and presented by Mark Pesci, created in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Producer Alex Mitchell and sound production Matt Nikolic. For more episodes, go to podcastone.com.au, download the Podcast One app, or search The Next Billion Seconds on Apple Podcasts. This is Mark Pesci thanking you for listening.